Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daydon Tolbert Show. I am your host, Daydon Tolbert. This is Ask Daydon Advice Lunch Hour, and we are back live today. Um, I want to say, you know, thank you to everybody for, uh, you know, all the kind words and, uh, you know, just comments and likes about everything that, you know, I have going on with my family and my kids. And I don't often take time to say thank you, but, uh, you know, you guys do show a lot of love over in the Friends of the Day on Tolbert Show group and just, uh, you know, everywhere. So I wanted to start off today with, uh, you know, with that. Uh, on, on this afternoon, guys, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about um, commitment. You know, you look around and, you know, dating and relationships is a very hot topic. Um, you know, a lot of people are experiencing frustration. A lot of people are experiencing turmoil. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on, and a lot of questions are out there, and people want answers, you know, specifically regarding black love, black relationships, you know, and especially black men, uh, black men and why we are historically not committing uh, to black women like we once did maybe in the times of our grandparents and things like that. But just, you know, what's going on with uh, black men, you know, and you know, if you ask men, you'll get one set of answers. If you ask women, you'll usually get another set, uh, set of answers. And so, you know, what I want to do is this is actually a, a sequel, a follow-up show to a special I did several years ago entitled Why He'll Hit But Won't Commit. And uh, so I wanted to, you know, continue that conversation. That was a classic show, you know, many years ago. I don't remember who was the co-host of that time. It might have been Gerald. It might have been Courtney. I'm really not sure, but it, I know it was a classic show filled with good information. I want to kind of do that again uh, today just from a different perspective, just, um, you know, shedding light and, and bringing understanding to the reasons, you know, not not the reasons that we give you as, you know, women, but the, the reasons that are the truth, the real reasons why men, specifically black men, are not committing, why we may have sex with you but not necessarily commit to you when I say commit, I don't mean just say, okay, you know, we're in a relationship. I mean actually, you know, committing and building a future, getting a ring, and actually, you know, walking down the aisle, you know, or, or with you or having you walk down the aisle uh, and, and get married. So that's what I want to talk about today. I also want to spend some time talking about entertainment news. Uh, there's a lot of things going on uh, in, in, around the world as far as these celebrities. Uh, one in particular I wanted to discuss that I think will also help with understanding the commitment piece of things is uh, is Mary J. Blige. Now, many of you may know that she is going through a divorce with her, uh, you know, her husband, and I want to talk a little bit about what things that I've heard that I find very troubling and also indicative of why many men are not committed. That's not to say that um, I know anything or go inside, like, their relationship or, you know what I mean, that led to the particulars of their breakup. But just generally speaking, I've heard a lot of things over the, the years from Mary J. Blige that um, I feel like would be helpful uh, for women to hear so that they don't find themselves in similar situations, all right? Uh, what else is going on? I want to, you know, I definitely want to uh, keep the – uh, people in Atlanta, you know, in prayer, and, and you know, really thank God that no one was injured in that uh, bridge collapsing down there. Um, it, 
you know, I don't know exactly what's going on with that. I've heard different stories. You know, I, I hear they have a guy in custody um, for, uh, he said he was doing some stuff underneath the bridge that led to the, the bridge blowing up, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, me particular, in particular, I'm not, you know, sure that I believe that. Um, and I would encourage everyone to definitely not believe everything they they see on NBC or CNN or Fox News or any of these uh, stations, con- you know, in the mass media controlled, you know, by the government. And a lot of times we look at uh, the, uh, you know, we look at TV, you know, and we, and we rely on what we see to to get our information. And, and unfortunately, um, unfortunately, the, the media is a business. It is a billion, multi-billion dollar business. They thrive on on stories and controversy, and that's why you see so many things with Donald Trump in the news. That's why you see so many of these disasters that you know occupy you know uh, much of the news. You know, again, it's all designed. That's that's why you don't see a lot of things you know in the news because a lot of times when you see certain things in the news or certain things, if they are in the news, they have the potential to to take away from the business or, you know, or affect the ultimate agenda, you know, of, of the particular, you know, business, you know, at hand. And so, um, you know, you just kind of got to find alternative news sources, you know, and, and unfortunately it's true. A lot of what Donald Trump says in regards to fake news, that's, you know, that's exactly what it, what it is. I've been saying fake news for, you know, how long have y'all been listening to me the whole time? So a lot of this stuff is 100% fake. You know, and you know, and they're using a lot of this stuff that you're seeing out there, guys. These stories, you know, the stuff with Russia, all this stuff. Ninety-nine point nine percent of it is fake. It's designed to distract you from ultimately what's really going on. It's designed to bring about certain emotions, you know, that are designed to perpetuate, you know, this race war. These these strong feelings that people have. It's you can't have you can't encourage people to feel a certain way, right? And then to not have certain things continue to happen to to perpetuate those feelings, you know. And so there's always going to be people getting shot by the cops. There's always going to be some narrative being pushed by the media to incite, you know, further incite this this race war, these feelings of racial division. Not to say that that it doesn't exist. But for us to keep seeing stuff in the media every single day that perpetuate these feelings, it's it's obviously a particular plan. I mean, there's so many things that they can report report on, but if they only choose to focus on a particular narrative on an ongoing basis, you know, that's got to tell you something, should tell you something. So, but, yeah, I want to talk more a little bit about uh, some race relations stuff, a little bit more politics. But first, I want to thank everyone um, who who, who uh, supported my fraternity, Phi Beta Sigma fraternity, uh, my grad chapter here in the Philadelphia area. We uh, we we launched our inaugural 1,000 socks in a box uh, annual drive, and uh, we were actually we meet we met and exceeded our goal of a thousand. We actually got 1,300 socks that we were able to deliver to homeless shelters around the uh, the city, and uh, like I said, I didn't know. That that socks were actually the number one most needed item of clothing for the homeless, you know, like clean new socks. 
And so, you know, we were able to just, you know, you guys supported a lot of people locally, not so locally, you know, dropped off donations. We picked up donations. So just want to thank everyone who contributed to uh, that campaign here. And uh, like I said, we're going to do, we're going to do a clothes drive and around the holidays. So definitely, uh, you know, look out for information on that and how you can support. One of the things that I, um, like I said, I want to talk a little politics. There's a lot of stuff going on with us. There's a lot of things going on with this administration that I wanted to address. Um, there's a lot of things going on uh, in Congress. Uh, recently, the uh, Obamacare, uh, the to repeal and replace Obamacare was introduced to Congress. It was uh, not, it didn't get the necessary amount of votes, so the, the bill was removed. Um, it didn't take a vote on it. I want to talk a little bit about that. You know, but be, and, 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 and to introduce that, this topic of conversation, I, I posted on Facebook, and I asked a question. I said, if the Bible specifically says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood and that the real problem plaguing us is spiritual wickedness in high places, why is the only thing that people seem to care about is what's going on physically with certain individuals in the government. I said that being spiritually correct is infinitely more important than being politically and socially correct. And you might say, well, what does that have to do with the health care? Well, you know, it has a lot to do with it, you know, because what's happening here is it's where I see all this stuff happening. You know, and everyone, it's like we're at a point now where the government has created this monster. And the mon- that monster being Trump, Donald Trump, he's, they've created a monster. You know, or I should say they've turned him into a monster. Because he wasn't always a He's always been in the media, but he hasn't always been a monster in the media. And I'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. But what they've done is they've, they've turned him into this monster where anytime you mention his name, Anything that he does, anything that he says, it becomes a circus. And it be automatically and instantly becomes negative. And so what we have here is, you know, right now we're talking about this, this plan to, to repeal and replace Obamacare, and everyone is automatic. Well, I shouldn't say everyone, but if you're a Democrat, if you're a liberal, usually if you're African American, you, you've been conditioned to believe that Obamacare is good, the Affordable Care Act is good, and anything outside of that is bad, right? But, you know, I, I see things a little bit different, and, and I'll tell you why. And I've talked about this before, but one of, the people, one of the things that people need to understand about, this is a government law. It's, it's a law. It's, you know, Obama made it a law, you know, that you are absolutely required to have health care insurance, you know, a particular type of health care insurance. And if you don't, if you choose not to, right, then you will be penalized, okay? And so what's happening here is that the government, like if you're, if you're against, a lot of people have said in the past, ironically is what Obama ran up one of his platforms, one of his main things when he was running was he wants to have a smaller government. You know, he doesn't want to have, he wanted to introduce change. And he wanted to have less government, less less government control. He wanted to change how things have historically been done. 
But what's happening is, is actually the opposite. Obamacare actually epitomizes the opposite. That It's actually in, in, enlarged the government's control over its citizens. You know, it's now, they are now in, in total control of your health care, uh, you know, decisions. So if you choose to not, per, you know, participate in, in this plan or have some form of, you know, health care, then you are basically penalized, which, you know, which me personally, I believe everyone should have health care. You know, I believe that. I don't feel like if you, if I go to the hospital, you know, I don't, and I don't have health insurance, I don't feel like that should be your, your responsibility to pay for that through your taxes. I should have health Everyone should have health care, right? But I don't believe, I mean, first of all, the government can give everyone health care. They have that ability, just like other nations. They have universal health care. That's one of the things that Bernie Sanders was pushing was universal health care. So we could do that. It's just, you know, the, the powers that be would not be able to financially benefit from that. So that's why we don't have universal health care. So that's why they're regulating. And, the, and the, these billionaires, you know, these pharmaceutical companies, these medical companies, they are making billions and billions of dollars, these powerful billionaires making billions of dollars because we are now required to use their services, okay? That these are direct favors being paid back, you know, for their campaign support and, and presidential support of Barack Obama over the course of these last eight years. That's, this is payback for they are now being rewarded for that support. That is the same corruption that people like Bernie Sanders ran his whole campaign on. Is that type of those that type of exchange political favors for money? Okay, that's the epitome of what his whole campaign is about. So if people say you love Bernie, you wanted Bernie to win, then you should not be supporting Obamacare because it epitomizes the type of Washington corruption. And he said this; he's actually said this and elaborated on this, but the media doesn't really focus on it because it goes against their narrative that they're pushing. So my thing is. People say, well, you know, how do you feel about Trump trying to take away Obamacare? Everyone's going to lose their coverage. And no, guys, listen, I haven't talked about this yet. That's why it's very important. People really need to understand what's happening. Donald Trump is not trying to take away anyone's health. It's not about taking away. But historically, the, the Republican side has said, even when they introduced this bill, hey, the government should not be able to regulate my health care decisions. We, don't, we feel like that's a decision that people, individual citizens, should be able to make for themselves and their families. We should, the government should not have control of it. So what, they really, what this new bill was trying to do was take that power back away from the government and give it back to the citizens. So you would still have an uh, – and I've listened. I've really researched it. They were saying, oh, we're not going to take away your health care. We're going to make it available to you so that if you want to go ahead and get it, you're able to get it. The same people who, who benefited from Obamacare were able to, are still able or would have been able to get this affordable health care. They just want to be required to get it. it, it wouldn't, you won't be penalized if you chose not to get it. So I just want to talk about that a little bit. I said, well, you, you know, you support Donald Trump. It's not, listen, that's why I said it's not about Trump or not Trump. It's about the principle. I don't believe the government should be required should, – should require people 
and their families to get health care or their particular type of health care. You can't force people to do that. I don't think that's right. So that's that's my thoughts on that. But, yeah, the, the bill failed, um, you know, which I'm not really surprised about because, like I said, too many people are benefiting from this financially. Just follow the money. It's not hard to understand. When you, re- listen, when you require people to have something, there's going to be tons and billions and billions and billions of dollars made from the people who are, who are benefiting from that. That's like me. I, I sell cars, TRC Auto Sales. So if somebody passes a law, hey, look, you have to drive. And, and you know what I mean? I'm going to pass the TRC Auto Care Act. So you have to buy, you have to have a car. So a lot of people don't have cars, right? But if, if they say, hey, look, you have to buy this car, and this is the company that's going to supply the cars, who's going to benefit from that? Me. Because you're, you're now required to buy, to have a car, and I'm like the main person you know what I mean, that's associated with this new bill, you're going to buy my cars. So, of course, if now if you take away that bill, say everyone, well, everyone's going to lose their cars. You guys get it. It's not right. It's not constitutional. You know what I mean? But, you know, it is what it is. Now, speaking of Donald Trump, like I said, I want to talk about a lot of stuff. There's so much stuff to go on that you know, has to be discussed, so much stuff that's going on. I was, you know, Shout out to all my wrestling fans. I watch wrestling. I've always watched wrestling since I was a little kid. Yesterday was WrestleMania. Now, I found this to be very interesting. Now, watch this. It's going to blow your mind. The media has, like I said, they created, they turned him into this monster. Trump is a racist. That's why nobody likes him. He's a racist, right? But if you remember and you, you follow wrestling, you know Donald Trump was actually very active in, in, in WWE. You know, he had a very, I think it was at WrestleMania, if I'm not mistaken, Donald Trump fought Vince McMahon or did some type of big thing with him. I know Donald, uh, Donald Trump got his hair cut. I know Donald Trump cut off Vince McMahon's hair. It was like this whole big thing. And he was loved. He cheered him and cheered him when, he, when he, Donald Trump ended up cutting. He was loved by everyone, right? No talk of racism at all. Really until he started running for president is when, that, is the, when the racist stuff, the racist claims came out, Okay. He was loved all of, uh, whether it's America's Got Talent, whether it's WWE. Millions and millions of people love Donald Trump. Now, watch this. How many of y'all know who Hulk Hogan is? Everyone. Everyone's heard. Whether you're a wrestling fan or not, you know who Hulk Hogan is. He's probably the all-time most popular wrestler in the history of WWE. Right? Hulk Hogan, the most popular wrestler of all time, you know, has been associated with WWE forever, decades. Process is crazy. So recently, a couple of years ago, he was known for making a few racist comments, used the term nigger, right? And what happened? You know, this hit that everyone's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Hulk Hogan is racist. He's the most loved wrestler in the history of wrestling. Hulk Hogan is now a, wrestler, a, a racist. So what happened? Where's Hulk Hogan now? WWE severed all ties with Hulk Hogan. The most popular wrestler of all time is nowhere to be found on any wrestle, uh, wrestling paraphernalia, any type of websites. Like, he's gone. Totally gone. Erased. Just like that. Now, Donald Trump, right, is, you know, he's this racist, right? He's known to be this racist. But WWE embraced Donald Trump. 
did this whole thing with you know what I mean with Donald Trump, and it was never a problem. So if 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 they did that, they kicked out Hulk Hogan, the most popular wrestler of all time, and Donald Trump is even a, a, a wrestler. Why why associate yourself publicly in front of millions with someone who's who's supposedly a racist? Why I'll tell you because he's not really a racist. It's that the media has created this monster for a particular agenda, for a particular reason, to push a particular agenda. You know, and, and at the time, the agenda was for to benefit Hillary Clinton because she also she you know pushed a particular you know platform that was beneficial to those who you know uh, are in power, these billionaires. And so I just want to talk about that stuff you know, for a little bit. You know, you really got to, you know, with this stuff, you have to read between the lines. You have to kind of really see what's going on. Because if you're focusing on, you know, NBC and, uh, you know, CNN, MSNBC, you know, Fox, News, all this stuff, it doesn't matter the, the network, you're going to be misinformed. And your, your opinions, you know, I was talking to someone recently. Well, one of my frat brothers, actually, and he was saying, wow, you know, like, I remember growing up on uh, Ted Koppel and, and uh, Tom Brokaw and Peter Jennings, uh, Dan Rather. Back then is when you actually had, you know, actual, objective uh, news, honest news reporting. I mean, it was always controlled by the government but it was not at all as, you know, uh, subjective as it is now. And if you notice, it's funny, we were talking that they don't even use the term broadcaster anymore. Now it's, you know, you're a commentator, right? You know, before it was like, okay, I'm just going to report the news and give you an opportunity to form your own opinion based on the actual news. But that's not what it is now. It's I'm going to give you the quote-unquote news but I'm going to add my opinion to it. I'm going to add, depending on the network, I'm going to add my side of things to it to influence your opinion. Before, what they didn't do that back in the day. And it's just a sign of how things have changed and just how advertising-based and monetary-based the, the quote-unquote news is. That's why, you know, it is fake news. It's not really news. It's, it's fake news. It's designed to bring about a particular emotion in you to drive their agenda. People say, well, you know, you, you love Donald Trump. People don't understand. I don't give a damn about Donald Trump. I really don't. I have such a disdain for the mainstream media, okay, and I see what they're doing. I see it very clearly. So when I speak out against people who are directly benefited, benefiting from the stream media's agenda, the government's agenda, I speak out against that, and I tend to side with the, you know, the people who are not benefiting from that, the people who that whole machine is attacking. In this case, yes, it is Donald Trump. Now, that has nothing to do with Donald Trump personally, but me as a Christian, okay, my views are not, and I would hope no one's views, if you're a Christian, I would hope your views would not be for of a liberal nature, you know, supporting gay marriage, homosexuality, abortion, like all these things 
that is the foundation of the liberal platform, the Democratic, I would think that as a Christian that would not be your view. But you know, for many, they're not really looking at it from a spiritual perspective. You know, so it's funny. People talk about Christians actually talk about being a conservative as if it's a bad thing, you know, wanting to, as opposed to, you know, latching on to this liberal agenda like, oh, times are changing, so we've got to change with the times. You know, gay marriage and all this other stuff is, is more popular, so we have to be progressive. We've got to change. It's like, no, I'm the same. Like, I'm, I am a conservative. I do believe that things should stay how they've been in regards to what the Bible says they should be. Now, all this other stuff that really doesn't have to do with the Bible, we can talk about that. You know, that's why I'm not a Republican. That's why I'm not a Democrat. But certain things I am passionate about. Other stuff, it's like whatever. You know what I mean? So one of the things I said online, I said, um, you know, I said it's amazing, you know, that people love the government when Obama was in office. I mean, like, it's funny. People won't really admit it, but people really did. They love the government. Now, they didn't just love Obama, but they loved, they embraced the government. I mean, I, I grew up in a time where it was just understood that the government was not for us, period. didn't matter who the president was. It was like the government was the problem. The policies were the problem. The agenda was the problem. Of the agenda of the government was the problem. But it's amazing that people, I've never heard anyone who, anyone really, to be quite honest, I've never heard anyone of color, you know, really acknowledge the racist and corrupt, oppressive agenda of the United States government the entire time that Obama was in office. And the, the reason, they're doing it now. They're definitely back to it now. But during that time when Obama was in office, you, you really couldn't acknowledge the agenda of the government as a whole without pointing a finger at the leader of the government, which was Barack Obama, which would mean, you know, for many people, it's like, oh, my God, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a coon, I'm a, you know, whatever. But like I said, I said online that newsflash, I said it's the same oppressive, racist, and corrupt government that it's always been and will continue to be. You know, case in point. You know, I said, uh, I said, let me get this straight. I said this on, on Facebook. I said, former DNC chair Donna Brazil has admitted to cheating to help Hillary Clinton win the election, but the mainstream media only wants to focus on Russia supposedly trying to influence the election by exposing the corruption of the DNC. Guys, this whole thing is amazing to me. I've never seen anything like people are talking about this whole witch hunt. Russia, 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 Russia. They say Russia and Donald Donald Trump has Trump that ties to Russia. You know, he used Russia they use each other to influence the election. And so I asked people, I said, Well, okay, let's say hypothetically that's true. How, how did he influence the election? Well, the Russians, they hacked, they hacked Hillary Clinton's emails, and they, you know, so that, that made people not vote for him. I said, okay, so you're saying that Russia hacked into Hillary Clinton's emails, and they revealed all types of corruption, lies, and illegal behavior, thousands and thousands of, of emails that reeked of corruption and lies, and dishonesty. And you're saying you want to blame the Russians for that? I said, it, I, 
in my opinion, isn't that a good thing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, shouldn't we be happy about that? Like, if we if if you hacked into your boyfriend's email <laughs> and you found that he was creeping with these chicks, <laughs> and, or, or I should say, if somebody hacked into and they forged you those emails that he was sending to you, wouldn't you thank him? Like, yo, thank you, thank you for letting me know. I, I thought he was a good dude. That's what I, I mean. I don't. I don't believe Russia did any of this. Be clear. I don't believe it. And it, it wasn't Russia. Guys, people are just stupid. Russia, you can't hack. Our our stuff is so tight that no one. You can't hack into uh, anything. No one hacked into Hillary's email. What happened was United States government informants, possibly with Russian ties. That's may have happened, but. You know, these are people within the government that are acting that are acting covertly, right? In order to, you know, start this beef with Russia. And for I don't know if people watch, don't watch these TV shows or like it's it's very realistic. This stuff happens all the time. Whether it's Twenty Four, you got stuff on Scandal, you got stuff on. You know, I mean, this stuff is not far fetched at all. The Americans is another great example of Russian spies and how that whole thing was. I mean, this stuff is not hard to understand. You know, it's all designed to make us hate Russia. And I would, I would, it's one of the last things I want to say about this. I don't want to move on to some other stuff. But again, I, I remember like it was yesterday. If you remember the Boston bombing, Go back about four years to the show I did on the Boston bombings. Okay, just go, just Google Boston bombings on the Data on Tolbert show, and listen to that show. And on that show, I 100% predicted exactly what's going on with Russia. I talk, I'm not going to go into it all now, but just go back and listen to that show. You'll be amazed. You say, "Wow, he said this four years ago." I predicted that because that four years ago Russia was not enemy number one. Russia's like, oh, my God, it's our number one enemy. It wasn't like that four years ago. But I said that's what would be coming because of their ties to North Korea, their ally, the fact they're allies with North Korea. And a lot of this stuff has to do with the fact that they're who their allies are and what our ultimate plans are for world domination and what we're looking to do as a country, how we're looking to move. And Russia plays a major part as a superpower in preventing a lot of stuff we're trying to do as a nation. So in order to do what we want to do as a nation, we got to get Russia out the way. We got to lay a foundation for what ultimately will will become war with Russia. You know what I mean? So it's, it's deep. But like I said, go back and listen to that particular show on the where I broke down what happened with the Boston bombings, and that's where it all started. That's where it all started. It's amazing. This stuff is crazy. I'm surprised. It might not be up there. They might have taken it down because it's crazy. It's probably, it's probably down at this. They probably, probably won't even get a click on it. But for those of you who heard, I mean, try it. It might be up there. But I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it was gone, magically disappeared. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, man. Um, you know, people are still talking about this wiretapping stuff. And I mean, you know, God, do people not understand? The government wiretaps everybody. You know what I mean? Like, that's not unheard of. Dr. King, Malcolm X, you know, Edward Snowden, like, you know, everyone and their mom gets wired. You're, I'm prior wiretap. You're prior wiretap. You know what I mean? Obama and the NSA conspired. 
to pass illegal wiretapping laws to spy on American citizens. That's one of the reasons why Edward Snowden has been banished from the United States. So for people to think that Obama has, you know, did not or the government did not at some point, you know, spy on Donald Trump, who, you know, is now president, is, is really foolish to think that, that that didn't happen. You know what I mean? It's, it's very foolish if you understand how the government works. Like, everyone gets wiretapped. So why would Donald Trump not be wiretapped? Why would, why would people not be spying on him? If, if there are now, listen, if there are now ways, and it's legal, right, under the guise of national security, listen to what I'm saying, to, to spy on people and listen to their conversations and just put it under the Patriot Act, put it under whatever, you know what I mean, new laws Obama and them introduced with the NSA that made it legal to spy. Please tell me why. I, if I was Obama, I would have been spying on Donald Trump. You know what I mean? So why would he not? So for for for, and that's not to say that he did, but you really got to ask him why would he not? And so for people to think that that's like preposterous, or that's like on oh, the president or the the president's aides or the you know the CIA that would not you know want to tap and hear what's being said about the person who's probably going to be president. It's just stupid to think that that is, is out of the question. Do you think that Obama or the NSA or CIA or whoever, if you think that's preposterous or 100% out of the question to spy on a presidential candidate and a, and a billionaire with ties all over the world, you think that's, you know, that doesn't make sense or that's out of the question, then you, sir or ma'am, know nothing about politics or how the government and the world work. That's just being real. You know what I mean? Snoop Dogg. You know, the hypocrisy out here, guys. There's so much stuff I haven't talked about. The hypocrisy. We got Snoop Dogg out here making music and making, putting out imagery that if, if anyone did the same type of images targeting Obama, it would be World War III. And the reality is many people actually did put out certain images, these racist, you know, images of Obama hanging from a noose and hanging from trees and different things. People went crazy. Black folk went crazy. So why is it okay to put out image, violent images, you know, of people attacking and shooting, you know, whatever Donald Trump? You know, it's one thing if you don't like him, you don't like his political views, but to, to threaten harm and do different things. That's just, it's stupid. It's not Christian. It's, it's, it's hypocritical because you wouldn't want that same stuff done to an African-American president, you know, or even Hillary Clinton for that matter. Somebody did that to Clinton, people would go crazy. So it's just, we got to stop being hypocrites, okay? We really got to stop being uh, hypocrites and, and start being Christians. Well, they're not even talking about the, 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 you know, the bills uh, designed to increase funding for the HBCUs. People are not talking about the border, secure, uh, border control, um, you know, upgrades that, that, you know, that are now in place. And I'm, not, I'm just, and I'm not saying you have to. I'm not saying you have to, but for me, I'm the type of guy, because I'm not a political person. I don't get hyped about, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a, I'm not a Republican. I don't, I'm a Christian. You know what I mean? I do what I do. I don't really care about politics. But what I do care about is the hypocrisy. You know what I mean? And it's just like if you want to be mad about one thing, you get, if, if, put it like this. 
Like, you've heard me talk about Steve Harvey. You've heard me talk about Beyonce. You've heard me discuss different things. But I'm not a hater. You've also heard me say various positive things about Steve Harvey. If he does something positive in the community, you'll hear me talk about that. You know, if you hear me say, you know, Jay-Z gave you know, a million dollars to someone or Beyonce did this, and I feel like that's positive, then I've talked about that in the past. You know what I mean? So my thing is, it's like, I'm, again, I'm not a hater. I say what I say if it needs to be said, but I'm not going to ignore purposely positive things because that is the epitome and the textbook definition of a hater. So if you talk about and bash Donald Trump, bash and bash and bash, but never say one thing, this guy wants to give millions of dollars to the, to the HBCUs, he wants to um, get into Chicago and really, you know, uh, do some positive things to make it safe, you know, let, come on, let's not be haters. Cool. If you don't like the, you know, what he's doing with the immigration stuff or whatever, that's fine. Speak about. It. That's what political debates are about. But you at least have to acknowledge the positive. That's all I'm saying. Let's not be hypocrites. All right. Meanwhile, you look around. You know, we talk about race relations. We got you know, kids out here being killed. You know, recently a young a young boy was killed. Thirteen year old kid was killed in a Chinese store. Kids just walking. To the Chinese store, shot him in the head. You know, he clung on to life for a few days and ultimately died. That he actually, I found out, was the nephew of one of my Facebook friends. You know, and uh, it's crazy. Rest in peace to him. Um, you know, one of the things I said online is uh, I said it's, it's you know protesting the government on Facebook is cool. I said, but uh, you know, it, it really takes positive brothers and sisters you know, that will actually be in the streets, you know, talking to these kids that will bring about the real change in our community. Our community is jacked up. You know, it's very jacked up. I'm in the hood every day. You know what I mean? It's it's really jacked up. And I got to tell you guys every day, if, if if you think that Donald Trump or anything going on politically is, is a bigger problem than kids get little 10-year-old kids getting shot in the face, you're, you're delusional. You know, parents out here strung out on crack, dad in jail, kids out here raising themselves, standing on the corner, sliding down poles. That that's the real problem in our community. That's the real that's the that's the real problem. That's the biggest problem. And shout out to the young brother, young Muslim brother, who uh the video went viral where he broke up the fight between these two kids. You know what I mean? Well, if you guys saw most of y'all saw it by now, he walked up on him. Says, yo, you know, I got to chill with this. So they're laughing at you. And he was talking about their friends, but I'm talking about the world is laughing at us. The government is laughing at us. White folk are laughing at us. We're sitting up here bashing Trump, and we're out here in the streets killing each other. We look so freaking stupid. Black folk look so stupid protesting Donald Trump but not saying a thing when our own brothers and sisters are getting shot down and fighting in the streets. We look like idiots, apes and baboons. People want to talk about coons. Well, we look like apes and baboons out here jumping up and down, protesting, when our own people are running around killing each other in Philadelphia, Chicago, L.A., like idiots. And won't say anything about it. A black guy gets shot by a white guy, we want to be all pissed off, but a black guy gets shot by a black guy is, is, is you know, barely makes the news. It's, and it's really ridiculous. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. 
well, we need some parents out here that are really going to step up and, and train these children because the Bible is correct. When he's old, he will not depart from it. But that means you've got to have it to begin with. He's got to actually be trained to begin with. These kids out here sagging their asses, you know, gang signs, tattoos, you know what I mean, on their faces, you know, doing stupid stuff, robbing, killing, young black girls stealing from the Chinese stores. You see video. People, I mean, people laugh at it. Like, oh, man, he tackled the chick in the, in the Chinese store stealing. I remember one time my dad beat my uh my my sister. Oh, he beat me on many occasions for different things, but in one one case in particular, and she didn't even do it on purpose. I don't know if she did it on purpose or what. But we were in a this is, we did it. We were in a store. She was young, and uh, we were in like some store, and she had a piece of she wanted some gum, and I don't know if she didn't ask him or what, but whatever happened, she ended up outside the store, you know, with this gum in her hand. Like it wasn't like she had it in her pocket. She purpose she just had it in her hand, and she didn't pay for it. He beat her right there in the mall. She tore that ass up. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, and that's just that's just how I was raised. I bet she never did that again. I bet you I never did it. Just because, you know, it was like, okay, there would be hell to pay if if we did something like that. And so I think what we like I said, we gotta get back to that. Nowadays there's no accountability. You know, there's no accountability, there's no uh, discipline, there's no respect. That's one of the reasons why we're seeing so many police police shootings, because these kids don't respect authority. Now, that's not to say that these cops aren't often wrong, but when you're constantly every day, you know, uh, encountering these kids and these adults who have no manners, who are overly aggressive, who, who, who are carrying illegal guns, knives, that's going to put them on edge. They're not pulling the trigger out of, in many cases, out of hatred. They're pulling it out of fear. And they're afraid, you know, that they're not going to make it home to their family, their, their families in many cases. So it's, it's crazy because, like, think about it. You really got to ask yourself these questions. Think about it from a logical standpoint. If I'm a black man, a husband, a father, you know, with a family, and I go out here with the thought in my mind, okay, these these niggas are crazy. They're robbing and killing and raping and stealing. So I got to carry my gun and let a nigga walk up on me or threaten my family. I'm popping them right in the head, right in the chest. If that's my mentality, you know what I mean? What? And I'm not, you know what I mean? That's, I'm just a family, man, trying to protect myself and my family. So if I have a mentality like, yo, don't you better not run up on me. You better not threaten my family. If that's my mentality, imagine the mentality of the actual police officers whose job it is to, 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 you know, to fight crime. Imagine how on edge they are. So, I mean, I just try to put things, and again, I'm not making excuses for the racist and the hate-filled, trigger-happy guy. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the reality. And the reality is that it's a messed up environment. We got a lot of angry, scared cops. And we have a lot of angry, scared, young black men. You know, in many cases, criminals. That's not to say all young black men are criminals, but there are a lot of young black criminals out here looking to do harm. You know, looking to commit crimes. 
and and we we have to be aware of the job that these police officers have in dealing with that on a daily basis. You know, a lot of things we can ignore. If you see someone selling drugs or committing crime, you can ignore that. You know, George Zimmerman didn't have to confront Trayvon, but he chose. But these cops, that's their job. So if your job is to actively and knowingly confront people committing crimes, who, you know what I mean, you're going into that situation with your hand on your gun already. Half the time I'm walking through the hood with my hand on my gun, you know what I mean, and I'm not even confronting I'm just being safe. See, but people don't like the realness. They like to just live in a fantasy world and make it. They don't want to hear that because that makes them actually have to relate to these cops in many cases, and they don't want to do that because the media says cops are bad, white folk are bad. You know what I mean? It's us versus them. They don't want us to be able to relate to what they might actually be feeling in that moment because guess what? It's most likely exactly what you're feeling at that moment. So, I mean, it's crazy. I, I, you know, I know a lot of y'all tuning in because I want to hear you talk, you know, talk about commitment. And, you know, we could do that, but a lot of this stuff is real. You know what I'm saying? Entertainment news. Mary J. Blige. I want to talk a little bit about Mary J. Blige. You know, like I, said, I want to talk about commitment, and that will be a good segue you know, for commitment, you know, or I should say why these men are not committing like they once did. One of the things that we're seeing out here, guys, you guys know that, you know, everyone's saying it now, it's become a popular term, but you guys know, when I started, when I came out, I started doing this show, and even before that, I used a term called emotional unavailability. You guys remember that, you know, and that's become somewhat of a household. Probably should have copyrighted it, to be quite honest with you, about 15 years ago. They're probably rich now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Put a, put a patent on that. But uh, the reality is that term is used to explain what a lot of men are experiencing with these women. And it's not, this isn't like, okay, let's bash women. It's not a, a you know, men versus women type of thing, but it's just an explanation. Because what that really means is, it means a lot of things. But if you are a woman where you are hurting, you are, you know, you have issues that you need to heal from, you have situations that are affecting you, trust issues, daddy issues, um, abortion issues. I mean, you know, it could be many different things. You need to be healing, not dating. But unfortunately, as you, as women get older, you know, the thought becomes, all right, well, you know, my time is running out, so I want to date as fast as possible and as much as possible so that I can find love. I don't want to be alone forever. There's often an underlying fear of being alone. So that's called emotional unavailability. You're dating, but while you're seriously emotionally unavailable, to give 100% of your heart. If, you, if you're having trouble understanding what that term means, look at it like from a percentage standpoint. If, if a, a certain man or, excuse me, a situation, you know, occupies, you know, uh, 20% of your heart, 10% of your heart, 30% of your heart, 50% of your heart, 75% of your heart, whatever the percentage is, you're emotionally unavailable to give 100% of your heart to the man that God has for you. Now, the problem with that is, is that God, if you're, if you're a Christian man, 
and you're praying for a wife, no one says, God, bless me with a woman. I sure I can't wait to get all 75% of her. <clears throat> oh, man. And I sure wish I could get 95% of her. Man, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be great. No, we, we want 100% of your heart. You know what I mean? So that, that 10% that that man occupies, that ex-boyfriend occupies, you know, that, that dad who, who ran out on you and you're still pissed off, the fact that you're, you're angry all the time, that takes up 20% of your emotional being. Well, you got to deal with it. That's why I do relationship counseling, emotional counseling, so that you can give 100% of your heart. No one wants any less than 100%. So what happens is if you go into a relationship, if you go into a marriage, with less than with the ability to give less than one hundred percent, it's guaranteed to fail. Because remember, think about it. Again, if no one prays for an emotionally unavailable woman, you know, ninety five percent of someone's heart. If you're if that's what you are given, then what does that mean? Get your calculators out, do the math. What does that mean? If you are not what that man has prayed for then that means that's not you're not the woman that God intends him to be with and vice versa. So now now so if God is not in it, if God is not the author of that relationship, well we you know you should know by now that that's guaranteed to fail. So think about it. The, the end result has to be a woman who's able to give 100% of her heart and a man who's able to give 100% of his heart. That way and and you're putting God first in that relationship. Those are the relationships that ultimately succeed. Those are the only relationships that will succeed. Now, obviously, those types of uh, relationships, that type of 100% you know, giving, those situations are rare. You know, they're very rare. But a lot, a lot, and that, the fact that they're so rare, it often discourages many women cause and say, you know what, whatever, I'm just going to date. But you don't have to say whatever. You can just say, I'm going to try to, you know what I mean, be, be that woman. It's not impossible. A lot of women are not. This is where I, where I, what I do. A lot of women say, well, they don't. Well, why don't you talk about the men? Why don't you talk about these emotionally unavailable women? I said, I said men, I said, that's not a term. We don't even, that's not a, you understand what emotional availability means, then you know that that's not a term associated with men, you know what I mean? But if you understand that, you're not going to be asking about the men at all. You're going to say, well, how can I be that 100%? How can I be that virtuous woman? How can I be 100% emotionally available? And if you are emotionally available, does it really matter what the losers are doing? Does it really matter what the thugs, the, the liars, the dogs are doing? You know, what, why, why does it, what do you want to give advice to these men, Dana? Give advice to them for what? You, you say you want a husband, right? So why don't you listen to this advice, and that will help you be found not by the losers, but by the best possible men that will complete that 100% ratio. That's all you got to worry about. So if you fast forward, you know, years ago, interestingly enough, many of you may remember Years ago, I did a show, and you, can, you know, all shows are archived. You can actually Google the definition of emotional unavailability. 
right? You can Google, just put my name in it, the definition of emotional unavailability. And you'll hear, you'll hear a few shows over the years that they're probably with that same title. But one of those shows, in fact, I think all of the shows, I used Mary J. Blige as an example. And I specifically played a song by her called Missing You. And if you listen to that song, Missing You, it actually epitomizes emotional unavailability. You know, one of the first lines in the song says, I'm not in love. Well, at least that's what I just keep telling myself. So that right there, you know what I mean? That right there, you know, it kind of points to a guard. It points to a wall. It's like, okay, I have feelings for you, but I'm going to deny those feelings. I'm going to act like I don't. Why? Not because I don't love you, not because I don't have feelings for you, but because I'm afraid to be hurt by you. So if you're already going into a relationship with a wall up, guess what? That man isn't going to commit to you. You're going to get played by that man. You know, and that's what often happens. Mary J. Blige has told, she's said this. She says she's, she's talked about issues and emotional heartache that she's never healed from, stuff that goes back to her childhood, her teens, you know, and, 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 she's, and she's, but she's still dated. She still got married. And I'm not knocking her. I like Mary J. Blige. She seems like a very nice woman. But she herself, has admitted her own emotional unavailability on many occasions. I was just recently listening to her on uh, The Breakfast Club and Angie Martinez. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's – so her ending up with a dude like, like Ken do, I mean, this dude wants, you know, money, what, $100,000 a month or whatever the heck he wants, something crazy. Like, you end up with dudes like that. You end up with losers. Dude, I don't know if you guys heard the interview, but she was on the breakfast club talking about how, you know, he, uh, she just was never good enough. And it ultimately became clear he just didn't want her anymore. You know, he hadn't committed to her. He was with her, but he hadn't committed to her. And he's with someone else and ultimately left her for this other woman. And now she's going around talking about it. And that, I'm not blaming her, but I'm just saying, you cannot go into in a, a relationship with all of these issues all of this baggage and expect a man to commit to you. He may use you for the sex, for your body, for your money, for your political and social status, whatever. But ultimately he's not going to commit to you. Period. I've interact I've dealt with thousands of women as far as counseling and ask data on advice questions and situations I've been you know, uh, ask my opinion on, and out of thousands and thousands of situations, I've never seen one successful emotionally, uh, or, or one successful marriage that was based on the foundation of emotional unavailability. Whether it's, you know, it could be celebrities, you know, I mean, it's, you know, we could just name, go down the line, but I mean, you just look around. Halle Berry, you know, you know, whoever. Chloe Carter, I mean, you know, Anyone, and it, it always ends up the same way. They end up dealing with these losers, these weirdos, and then everyone acts like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe they broke up. They were together for this long, and you know they're they're no longer together." And I'm like, uh, "Okay, you're surprised? Why? Oh, you must not listen to the show. You must not understand what the concept of emotional availability is about, and even your situation. You know what I mean? Oh my God, I found out that nigga was cheating on me. Okay, well." Let's talk about what was going on in your life prior to you dealing with him. 
Well, you're blaming a woman, David. How are you blaming? I'm not. No. See, it's not a. This is not a. You know, a bashing session. This is an explanation session. You know what I mean? Young woman said, uh, you know, you said something the other day and it offended me. You know, I said, you know, I apologize for offending you, but I want to apologize for what I said because I mean everything I said. It's one of the things I can't stand about these celebrities. That's why I'm not a celebrity. I would never want to be a celebrity because you have to apologize. You have to watch what you say. You have to be careful not to offend people. And I just, it's not, for me, it's about being real. It's about, you know, helping people. But the reality is you can't help people if you're afraid to piss people off. You know what I mean? And so I'm okay with being the bad guy if it means, you know, someone not killing themselves. And I won't put her name out there, but one of my clients, she told me, shout out to her if she's listening, but she said uh, this time last year, she said on April 1st, she had planned to kill herself. This is real, 100% real. She told me. She said, you know what? I didn't, she like, I didn't tell you because I was working with her at that time. She said, you know what? Yeah, um, you know, a year ago, I, I basically said, like, that was it. I was done. I can't take it anymore. Sick of all this. I'm just going to kill myself next year, April 1st. And um, today's April 3rd, you know? Thank God she, you know, she didn't do it. She we're, we're making progress. So, I mean, it's crazy out here. And it's crazy because I cannot tell you how many women I've spoken to and I've helped who have actually had suicidal thoughts. Many of them you've heard right here on the show, um, you know, have had suicidal thoughts. Not about anything else other than the role a man played in their life or different men have played in their life historically. And we have to, we got to fix this. This this is one of the biggest problems plaguing our society today. Depression, you know, emotional heartache and heartbreak. It's plaguing the black community. You know, and no one's talking about it. No one's, you know, talking about a solution. No one's even acknowledging it as a problem because people want to cover it up. You know, I tell you guys all the time, people listening to this show with their Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity sunglasses on because they don't even want to acknowledge that they are listening to help solve a problem. They'll listen to Kevin Hart, Steve Harlow, because it's fun, it's happy. But talking about emotional depression and the role a man, particular man, played in your life, and the fact that you may be, you may have had suicidal thoughts, that's not, you know, no one wants to acknowledge that, which is, you know, which is cool. You know what I mean? But it just means we still got to deal with it, even if it's in silence. You know, one of the things I saw online is, uh, Excuse me, I saw on uh, BET. I was watching uh, Being Mary Jane. And hopefully you guys have heard my two-night special from last year or a few years ago on uh, season one uh, of Being Mary Jane where I talked about just the, all the different examples of uh, emotional unavailability that Mary Jane Paul struggles with and, and, and exactly why she's single, exactly why, you know, these men are not committing to her. And it's really amazing. You know, um, I've never seen any a, a more realistic depiction of a successful single African-American woman, you know, who is the epitome of what these black men do not want, you know? I mean, it's not hard to see. You know, you look on, you look on TV, every successful leading actress, of you know, African-American actress, is either a, is very promiscuous, and in most cases, as an, an adulterer, a whore. You know, Olivia Pope, 
Mary Jane Paul, you know, Viola Davis's character from How to Get Away with Murder, The Have and the Have Nots. They got this new young woman on the quad, Anika Noni Rose. They're all adulterers. I know I'm missing a few, but I mean, look, I mean, just you know, every every leading African American woman plays a whole on television, an adulterer. The biblical definition of a whore. There's a reason for that, which is a whole another topic. The government's agenda for how they want to portray African American women. women. You know, a black woman can't just be a black woman without, you know, her being someone's freak, someone's jump off. You know, you even you, I'm gonna do a whole show on the quad, guys. I want y'all to watch that. It's actually a good show. It's actually a, a very entertaining show. My wife and I watch it, uh, but it's a very informative show. There's a number of different situations that it tackles, uh, whether it's rape, emotional unavailability, divorce, infidelity, um, and just you know, it takes place on an African American college campus. So that brings a whole uh, different dynamic to television. So. Definitely watch it because in the near future, very near future, I'm going to be doing a uh, in-depth breakdown of the quad. Really good show. I enjoy it. Very one of the few shows I really enjoy. Like I like I like Greenleaf. Oh, I'm sorry, another whore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Another adulterer. I'm sorry, Queen Sugar. Another one. You know, it's the, you know these shows. You, they cannot make an African American drama without putting an African American woman in a lead role, being an adulterer. It's the formula for television. And it goes back to slave times where, you know, what were they doing? They were adulterers. Well, they weren't, um, I guess you could say that, I mean, I guess you can't really call them adulterers if they're slaves, right? You know, but they were the white man's, the rich white man's whores. You know, they're sex toys. And so that's how they've always viewed us. That's how they want to continue to view us. You know, they're just doing it through, through television now as opposed to reality, you know, back, back then. Although it's still reality because they're doing it because they're, they're putting these people in positions of influence, Beyonce, Nicki Minaj, and they're encouraging these young folks to play these roles, these sexualized roles. You know, it's unfortunate. So if you go back to, you know, and, and that's the sex, guys, is, is what creates these the emotional availability that you see, you know, playing out in some of these relationships later on down the line. You know, they're going into it broken. They're going into it with a guard up, with, with depression. So if you look, I mean, Major Blige will tell you, she was depressed when she, when she even got into that relationship. You, see, you can go online and see her punching him in the face years ago. It's like, well, that, that's where you were at then, that level of anger. To, to punch someone in the face, to stay in a situation where you even felt like you had to punch somebody in the face. I mean, that's, you know what I'm saying, that's not anywhere where you want to be. So one of the things that I said online is uh, I was watching Be a Mary Jane, and I wasn't even talking about Mary Jane. I wasn't even, but it was her best friend. I don't know if you all watched the show, but if you look at the show, the, the Hispanic woman, her best friend, I forget her name, she was dealing with this dude and, you know, the, the baseball player. And it was cool because he, you know, he had some issues. But, I mean, overall, he seemed like a good dude who really enjoyed being with her and wanted to build a future with her. And for no other reason than her past hurt, pain, and resentment and her underlying fear of being alone and being hurt, 
she basically took this relationship and threw it aside. And he, he even said, he was like, look, are you, she's like, I want you to go. She's like, this isn't working for me, whatever. He's like, what, are you serious? He's like, look, if you let me walk out of here, I'm not coming back. And she's just like, whatever. So he leaves. Now, I'm not caught up. I don't think I saw last week's episode, so I got to see what happens. But, and that was the last episode I saw. And so it's just like, you know, a lot of women would rather have no man in their life than to have a good man in their life and be hurt by that man or take a chance at being hurt by that man. And so what happens is which I, where the disconnect is, a lot of women can relate to that side of it, but what the women in many cases can't relate to is the fact that when we see that, or not when we see that, we do see that. We always see that. We see the signs of that. So when we see the signs of it, we, go, we, we, we either leave or we, you know, we, we you know, have sex with you and play with your emotions. <clears throat> and that's not enjoyable for anyone. That's why those situations end up falling by the wayside. So I mean it's it's deep. Now, if you look what you know, if you look at what Mary J. Blige is doing, I don't think what she's doing is cool. Now Mary J. Blige is, is, is very well known for not doing a lot of press. Right? She doesn't do a lot of press. But my thing is you have an album coming out, so now you wanna go and tell all your business. You wanna go and tell all the details of, you know, what he did, how he did it who he did it with, because you have an album coming out. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that's cool. I don't think it's cool to, to profit or to try to profit from something that you're saying is so hurtful to you. You know what I mean? And it's like, I mean, I mean, she can do what she wants to do, but I don't do that. You know what I mean? I would hope my exes wouldn't get out there and talk about me, air out my dirty laundry. I, don't, I certainly don't do that. Y'all don't know any of my exes. No one, no one, maybe my wife, but y'all can't go online and, and search my exes, any of my exes. Somebody show me one of my exes. I've had several exes. Show me one of my exes. Nobody can do it. Why? Because it's not cool to put people out there like that. You ask me, hey, what happened? I may tell you a story. You know what I'm saying? I told you guys stories, but you don't know who those stories are about. You, don't, you know what I'm saying? You can't place that person. It's, and that's because I try to be respectful. And I feel like when you love someone, you say you love someone, you care about someone, even if things don't go how you want them to, and even if you're done wrong, sometimes I believe it's best to take the high road. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to put that person on blast. You, don't, you know what I mean? You have to expose that person, search for you know, uh, public affirmation and all that stuff. So just, just be mature and let it go. And that is how you know you're healing. But all that stuff, that her talking about him, trying to tarnish that man's name, that's just because that's just she's hurt. And she's even said she's hurt. You know? So what else? But, yeah, so what are some other reasons that these men are not committed? You know, let's, let's talk about it. I mean, you know, one of the things that I think is important to say, and I said this on uh, social media, I say this about once a year. I always share it. And when it pops up in my memories, because I feel like this is, um, it's really one of the most not known things about men from African-American men. I said that, ladies, black men are not afraid of commitment. 
Because you hear that, I mean, you know, these men out here, they're afraid of commitment. I said, it's not that they're afraid of commitment. It's that we are afraid of committing to the wrong woman. Okay? It, that's really what it comes down to. And a lot of women, they don't understand that because everyone believes that they're the right woman. Everyone believes that they're the perfect woman, a great future wife. But the reality is there's a discrepancy there. A lot of women are not great women. Just because you have a house, you have some money, you have, you know, some looks, nice clothes, nice body, that does not classify you as a great woman necessarily. What makes you great is having a great personality, a high level of respectability, and 100% emotional availability. You know, and so if we identify you as someone who is not emotionally available or, you know, uh, the type have the type of respectability that we're seeking in the wife, we're probably not going to commit. You know, and so but that doesn't mean we're not going to keep you around. It doesn't mean we're not going to sleep with you. And so a lot of times <clears throat> women don't understand why that decision has been made. You know, and so you've know, you got to stop having sex with these men. You've got to stop allowing yourself to be put in a position to be viewed as a sexual being. Men don't marry women who they view in a purely sexual manner. You know, one of the things I said about sex, I said if you're confused about your relationship, I said eliminate the sex and watch how fast things become clear. And think about it. That's how it goes, right? I mean, you're sleeping with somebody, and six months turns into a year, a year turns into two years, two years turns into four years. It's like, dang, you know, where is this going? He must be afraid of commitment. Well, you've been sleeping with him. And the problem with it is a lot of women think they can have sex with a man and still be viewed. Sex does not make you special, ladies. You know, and this is what this is, so this is what happens when you're having sex with someone. But that man wants to continue the sex, but he's got to give you a reason to stay. So watch this. This is what I said online. I said, ladies. When a man claims he doesn't believe in titles, I said that that's just a fancy way of telling you that he wants to keep having sex with you as well as other women, and he has no intention of building a future with you. That's really what that is. You can't, you can't sleep with someone, right, and tell them, hey, look, this is just about sex, and I have no intention of ever being with you. 99.9% of the time, you cannot do that. If a man is doing that, it's probably because he's making you think that it's going to be something else. There's very few men, and ironically, I was one of those men that actually could do it, but most men who could actually tell you, like, look, this is, this is just what it is. But back in the day, usually, you know, and certainly today, these men aren't skilled in that way. It's like they got to lie to you. They got to deceive you. They got to give you false hope. You know? And let me tell you, it all starts online. It all starts on social media. I said to the ladies who post seductive pictures of themselves on on Facebook and Instagram and for these likes, I said, remember that all attention isn't good attention. Respectable women rely on their classiness and wonderful personalities to get attention naturally. And you gotta leave that. You gotta leave the likes alone. Everything isn't about likes. Everything isn't, 
it's not about, you know, putting a man into a sexual state of mind. I mean, it's fine if, you know, you do what you do, but, you, again, you can't expect a man to commit to you if you're doing these things. I look on Instagram, I see some of these women, you know, ass shots and you know, breast shots, and they just don't understand, like, you know, what, what's wrong? What am I doing wrong? I mean, these aren't young girls. These are 30-year-old, 30-plus, 35-year-old women going on vacation, posting pictures of their thighs. I don't know what that thigh pic is. What's with the thigh? Like, you know, laying on the beach? What is it? Like, mandatory that you got to take a picture of your thighs? Like, what is that? I mean, you do that. It's fine to do it, whatever, but it's, 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 it's setting those thirst traps. You're attracting someone to, to, to lust after you, inviting them to lust after you, and you cannot, you cannot do that. You know, and expect to be viewed in a in a serious and significant way. So, I mean, I don't know, ladies. I mean, there's so many different things, um, you know, that prevent the commitment. A lot, and it's not all about sex. You know, a lot of times it's about mentality. You know, where's your mind at? You know, I said uh, online. I said, ladies, when dating, be less concerned with what what restaurant a man can take you to or what he can afford to take you to, and be more concerned with what church service he's spiritually led to invite you to. Now, think about it. A lot of women say, well, you know, I would never go to McDonald's. I wouldn't go to Applebee's. I wouldn't go to, you know, I don't go to Chili's. I don't go to those chain restaurants. Say, okay. But what if it's not about you? What if that's where that's all he can afford? That's where he wants, where he wants to go. I particularly like Friday's ribs. You know, that's where I like to go. So, I mean, if you're telling me I can't go to one of my favorite restaurants because you're too bougie to go there, well, guess what? You're probably not the, not the woman for me. And women, you know, it's like they, things have to be their way. You know, again, which is fine, but, again, don't think that you're going to be in a relationship and dictate anything, let alone, <laughs> let alone, you know, what restaurant we, we eat at. You know what I mean? You got to stop that stuff, that crazy stuff. Yeah, I don't control anything. You know, I say, look, where do you want to go get some age? My wife says, where do you want to go? I say, let's go to Friday. She says, cool. I say, let's go to McCormick and Schmidt. Spend $300. Oh, that's cool, too. Not to say that she's a robot. It's not about that, but it's about not making a big deal about things, going with the flow, letting a man be a man. Y'all don't run anything, ladies. And that's, again, that's not, you know, chauvinistic you know, uh, misogynistic, it's just reality. No man is going to commit to a woman who wants to be in control, period. You want to be in control, you're going to be by yourself. It becomes problematic because as women become more educated, women become more um, successful, you know, rising up the corporate ladder, you got a team, you got employees that report to you, your management, so you're supervising 20 or 30 people, you know. You, you have a certain mentality. You're the boss woman at, at the job, but when you come home, you ain't running nothing. You know, and for many women, that's a, that's a hard transition, especially when that's been your life, your whole adult life. But when you meet that guy, you, you must detach corporate America from the bedroom. You know, otherwise, you'll be single. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up, man. I'm going to wrap it up today a little bit early. 
But um, like I said, there, it, maybe I'll come back and do a, a part two or really a part three of this. But if, if anything that I've said today, you know, you feel like you can't, you can relate to, you know what I'm saying? You may want to just listen and take and, and incorporate those changes because, you know, whether it's the sex, whether it's the mentality, you know, um, or anything, these men are not compromising. You're not going to have a man who compromises what he's wanted in a wife his whole life just because he met you and you, you're set in your ways at 35 years old. No man is sitting around waiting for a 35-year-old woman that's sending her ways. That's not we're not we're not looking to clash. We're looking to find someone that complements us for who we are. Now that's not to say that you have to change who you are, but you want to be the best person you can be and understand the natural order of things. If who you are contradicts what the Bible says a virtuous woman is, how a wife should be to her husband then, yeah, you do need to change who you are. And if, if, if who you are is is not in line with what the Bible says, then you do need to change. But other than that, it's okay to be who you are. You know what I'm saying? You never want to lose yourself, but you just want to make yourself the best possible self you can, you know, and ultimately uh, you'll be found. So, again, guys, thank you for listening in, and um, I will see you next time.
Motivation, child, I did. I'm so motivated. You. 